Hello, thank you for listening to the Grace Point Church Media Cast with Pastor Mike McDaniel. If you live in northwest Arkansas or if you visit this area, we would love to have you at any of our three Sunday morning gatherings. You can check our website, gracepointchurch.net, for service times and any other information about Grace Point. If this cast doesn't update for you after November 1st, it's because we're consolidating our two podcast feeds into one, and you may be subscribed to the one that we'll be discontinuing at that time. If that happens, please go to our website and resubscribe, or just do a search in iTunes for our podcast, and you'll be able to subscribe there. And please contact us if you have any problems. Again, thanks for joining us. Here's Pastor Mike with this week's message. Father, we bow before you today, excited that you are exalted, thrilled that, Lord, we can live in the reality and not in just some theoretical way, Lord, victorious. And so, Father, as we come on with a song that we've sung through the ages and we end with a chant to to you and and just a declaration to the enemy that we, Lord, are victorious in you, and we thank you. Lord, help us today to walk out of here and to live tomorrow and the next day and the next, Lord, totally and completely in the power and in the victory that only comes through a relationship with you, Jesus. Be our teacher now. And keep in Jesus' name all distractions, all demonic influence, all all influences, Lord, that would draw us away from seeing and experiencing you, Lord, in truth and in glory. Lord, we thank you for these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I have a a sad statement that I make about my life, and it may not be true of your life, but it seems to be more true of mine than not, and that is that the first day after a great day is typically a bad day. I don't know what it is about life, but just seems like sometimes whenever I think that everything should just be perfectly and great, especially coming after after an awesome, you know, couldn't, couldn't have planned it any better, couldn't have orchestrated things any better, but there's something about a letdown. There's something about maybe my guard is down. I don't know what it is, but it just seems like after a victory, soon thereafter, there's a failure. And I don't know about you, but that even happens in the seasons of my life. I might have at times in my life just extraordinary times of prayer. I mean where I don't have to be reminded to pray. I don't have to nudge myself to to take time to be with God. I, I feel like that whenever I'm talking with God, that it's as if he and I are walking like Adam and Eve or like Enoch in, in, in the book of Genesis. It's like Genesis all over again. And when I pray, God hears me, and he just it's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful marriage. And then it's like I turn the corner. I turn the calendar page. I don't know. And it's all of a sudden, it's like all of heaven has been sealed up. And it's like nothing's going through. Maybe did I become complacent? Did I allow sin to kind of creep creep into my life and just ever slowly take over? What is it about those times? Or or I'll have victory in my thought life. Oh, pure thoughts, you know, God's just kind of got a hold of my thought life. And 
and it's just right on course. And then all of a sudden, you turn the page again, you turn the calendar again, and I don't know what it is. You wake up one morning, and all of a sudden, the thoughts, the things that I wrestle with, the, 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 the lustful thoughts or the, the envious thoughts or the thoughts that I, I thought, I've really conquered this. I've got five or six memory verses. I should have this defeated by now. And maybe I've had a string of several weeks of, of victory. How in the world can I wake up and it be like that? Here's a life principle for you. Yesterday's successes do not guarantee tomorrow's victories. Now, we probably kind of know that in life, but it's kind of like when, when you have a success maybe and you get a promotion on the job, you kind of don't anticipate that you're going to take a step back, right? You kind of step up and then you don't want to or don't anticipate to step back. Business gets good and you just expect it to get better. You don't expect it to go backwards. But in the same it is in our life and our relationship with God, that just because we had victory yesterday, doesn't mean that we're going to have victory today. Unless we can live with a great awareness and live in victory and not just look forward to victory. I think that's why Jesus said in Luke 19.23 that it is a daily taking up the cross, denying yourself, taking up the cross daily and following Him. It's a moment by moment. It's It's a day by day walk with Him, that we have, to, we have to realize is a part of our everyday life. If you look at the life of Jesus and, and his, his ministry, do you realize that 25% of Jesus' actions, parables, and miracles all deal with demons? Now, that's amazing to think that if you were to take 25% of your life, if it was like Jesus' life and lived like Jesus' life, if, if your life was to be attacked like Jesus' life was attacked or dealt with and the way that he deals with it on a day-to-day basis, that means about six hours of your every day of your life you will be spending dealing with, fighting with, cognitively wrestling with, spiritually wrestling with the, the, the demonic and how the flesh and the demons and satanic influence can, can get into our lives. And so let us wake up I maybe to the reality today that this whole adversary series is way long overdue. And the awareness of our own spiritual battles, it's, a, it's been a long time coming. And, and that really, if we're going to live victoriously, we're going to have to intentionally live victoriously. I think we have been more negligent than vigilant in our faith. We've been more negligent about just kind of whatever happens, happens. And as life comes by, it's the yin and yang. It's the dualism that we talked about in the very first message. And just hopefully the good will outweigh the bad. But in reality, there's a war. There's a cosmic war for our spirits. And then every day, whether it's six hours or it's 24-7, we are dealing with a struggle and a battle. It was interesting to think that the president whatever setting president is in office at the time, one of, if not the first thing, that every president will receive at the beginning of every day that he is in office is the status of the security of our nation. And he will sit down with his top advisors either via teleconferencing or in face-to-face meetings. But the very first thing before we start America's Day 
our president, our commander-in-chief, is setting down for a war briefing, even in times of peace. So how can I wake up every day of my life without that? If there's a physical war going on, how can I wake up every day and not wake up to the reality of a spiritual war that I deal with? So today, real quickly, I want to give you a briefing, a wartime briefing, if you will, kind of a a national security briefing. And I want to tell you about our enemy real quickly. Okay, our enemy is, here's just a couple of facts about our enemy. You can jot them down or just remember them. Is that, as we just sang about, Satan is defeated. All right, we can live in this reality based on Scripture that the enemy has been defeated. It says in John chapter 12, verse 31, it says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So here we have a verse in Scripture that tells us that Satan will be defeated. He will be cast out. Here's another statement for you. Satan's works are destroyed. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, He, Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So Jesus is the one who gives us victory. Jesus is the one who defeated the enemy. We can fight every day to defeat the enemy, but we cannot do it on our own. There's no absolute, there's no way, absolutely no way we will have this victory. It will come through a personal relationship with Jesus. Here's another statement. We are more powerful than the enemy. Not in and of ourselves, but we are more powerful because of what Scripture says. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. These are verses that if you need to get up every morning and just take a wartime briefing, a national security briefing to yourself, and just start reading these. Satan is defeated. His works will be, are, are destroyed in the present tense, but we will face it and we will experience it ultimately in the, in the future tense. But, but also that we have in and of ourselves, not in, excuse me, let me say that again, not in and of ourselves, but in our being, if we are follower of Christ, we have what it takes to defeat the enemy. But here's another statement for you. The defenses of hell won't stop God's people from living in God's community. I said a few weeks ago that the greatest blessing we can give to a community is to start a church because it's the only way, it's the most God-inspired way to bless a community with a body, mind, and soul is through starting a church and putting a present New Testament church in any community of the world where believers are living in community. And Satan is going to do everything in his power to stop us from making that kind of advancement. But, according to this verse, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that's not in the defensive posture. That is in the offensive. We can move against the darkness. We can be victorious. The community of faith that we call a church can move forward. So live in a wartime briefing. But now here, let's talk about some bad news. We talk about the enemy. It would be nice to say, okay, if all that's a reality, why do I still struggle with sin? The reality is this. this we've got to fight every day. We've got to decide who we're going to fight for every day. It is a daily battle that we still live in. But the reality is, is that we don't have to fight for victory we can fight from victory. And there's a humongous, humongous advantage in that. Just to say that I don't have to wake up every morning and wonder, will good prevail over evil? 
The weight of this world waits on me. No. Now, will good prevail in my life? Will it be depending on if I live the victorious kind of life? If I choose to live and I make the right decisions to live that way. Take your Bibles and be finding the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I'll say this, that there's a daily battle that we face. is is such a reality that that it's not an affair that I have with God. But it is a beautiful marriage between God and I. It's not an affair where I step into His presence weekly, pay a $20 homage offering to Him to say thank you, God, for something. And I kind of walk on through my life and greet a few people out of here on Sunday, and I've done my religious duties. It is a marriage. It is a commitment. It is a relationship. And so fighting in this battle that we call life, in coming to the book of Ephesians, there you cannot do a study on, on, on spiritual warfare and not come to this passage. Because he challenges us here quite clearly when he gives us, I think, three conditions to, to daily living in victory. Again, not fighting for victory, but living in the victory of following him. And I want to give them to you real quickly. One is a spiritual fitness that we need to have. There needs to be about us a spiritual fitness. In verse 10, he says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. He's challenging us here to be fit in our spiritual lives. Spiritual fitness is absolutely vitally important. I can tell you from... I told somebody this just the other day. I think 2009 will go down, will mark down as the decade, as the year in this decade, as unless next year comes along worse, as uh, as my most difficult decade and my most difficult year. And I don't have time to go through the past ten months or nine months to relive it. But I can tell you this: about six months ago, I felt as if I was the chum that I've been speaking of. I felt like. Every direction I turned in relationships, professionally, in the home life, I felt like, I, I, I told this, I told somebody this, if Lori leaves me today, I will say okay. Because everything else has happened, seems like in this kind of chaotic kind of way, and everything else is falling apart, that I could just anticipate the very worst in my imagination. That's how intense it's been for six months. Now, in prior to that six-month period, as I sit here on this side of the six-month calendar, I have to say that I had slipped into a very apathetical, apathetic, kind of go-as-it-comes approach to life. My prayer life had grown weak. My devotion to God, well, yeah, I was morally pure and ethically pure, but was I really growing? No. I was pretty much flatlined in my spiritual life. 
And at that point, something happens in everything in a domino kind of way begins to nip at my life and tear apart and just pull at me. Now, as this is going on, I am feeling the tension. I'm feeling the battle within. And the battle to this very day, I think in part because of this series, was born out of that season in my life. Because as I'm saying, God, what's going on here? God takes me to the Word again. He takes me to more fervent prayer again. He takes me to a deeper relationship with Him again. And now I begin to see that what I have allowed myself to do is because I have not been living in victory. I have been apathetically going through my faith life and not taking it seriously. That Satan has crept into my life and is starting to chew me up and spit me out. So from that period of time, I've told several people close to me, I said, I have got to do a series of messages on the adversary. And thus, here we are today. So I come to you today telling you this. I'm not the preeminent demonologist out here. I'm not the preeminent, I've got it all figured out person on the stage. I can tell you right now, I'm living in it, and I'm aware of it. And what God has called me to is a more fervent life with Him. Far more committed than what I was lackadaisically doing with Him and for Him. But the battle that is raging inside of me is very, very present. And and, and verse 11 and 13 really kind of take us to a whole new level when he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, notice the word stand, against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers that over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore. Do you see all of the times that he's saying one word? Stand. Withstand. Stand firm. Therefore, stand. He is saying it again and again and again and again. And again, what was the first challenge he gave us? He said, you're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to get fit in your life. You're going to have to quit being soft around the middle in your, in your, in your, in your Christian faith. A few months now, I guess for about a year, I was working out with a physical trainer. And one of the things I learned through that experience was don't listen to your body. When your body says stop, you go further and you go deeper and you go longer and you go more intense. Your body is saying, oh, you can't handle this. You're going you're, you're gonna to crack. You know what? It's time to crack. You just keep pushing and you keep pushing and you keep pushing yourself to finally maybe you collapse. That builds the endurance you're going to need to be able to withstand life. Now, what about your Christian faith? What about your own life? Are you able to step into your life and to say, no, I'm not going to do this? Do you have a trainer in your life who will say, spiritually, say, you need to get on track here? You need people who will speak truth into your life, even if you don't like it. 
And it may be somebody that you're married to. It may be somebody outside of your marriage. It may be a close friend. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you're a part of a church that speaks truth into your life, even when it hurts. And you say, no, I don't want to hear that. You will listen to it, and you will go with it. Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 9, say it like this. Remember your former leaders who spoke God's message to you. Think back to how they lived and died. Imitate their faith. You need to look to spiritual leaders in your life that you can emulate. Who are they? What would they say to you today? Here's some challenges real quickly. We need to be able to stand against lawless living. In your life, are you able to stand against lawless living? 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says this, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Are you able to stand against that? Are you able to say no to your flesh, as we talked about last week? Say no to your eyes, like we talked about last week. Say no to your pride, like we talked about last week. Are you able to say no? No, this is not, this is not a part of the parameters of my life. I can't go down this road. Somebody said it like this. It's kind of, I call it a Western proverb. It says, he who would not fall ought not walk in slippery places. If you don't put up guardrails for your life, getting as close to the edge as you can in your relationships, in your job, in your ethics, in your morals, getting as close to the edge as you can, you will eventually fall. Put up some guardrails. Be able to stand and withstand and stand there for, be strong in the faith. What guardrails are not in your life? The second thing is that we need to stand against lazy living. We need to be able to stand against lazy living. There's not only the sin of commission out there, but there's also a sin out there called the sin of omission. And this is what James says in James 4.17. Anyone who knows to do good, he ought to do it, and doesn't do it, it's sin. So there are times in our life when it's not just about what we do that's wrong, but it's what we don't do. God's calling you to something. I don't know what it is. Are you doing it or are you fighting against it? He's calling you to serve. I don't know. Where is He calling you to serve? To pour, pour your life into somebody. He's calling you, to, he's calling you to, to give something. What are you holding back? He's calling you to pray. Why aren't you praying? The sin of commission is that obvious. I didn't kill anybody. But did I help anybody? Because if I haven't helped people, then then that's the sin of omission. If I know to do good and I don't do it, then that's sin as well. So it's not just do I live a life without guardrails, or do I just live a life for myself? That kind of lazy kind of faith. Here's the second thing that we need to be aware of if we're going to go into this battle every day. And it's just spiritual readiness. Spiritual fitness, absolutely. You know, where are my guardrails? What do I need to be about doing? But also there's a spiritual readiness. Am I ready for what is facing me spiritually? Am I ready for a spiritual battle? William Gurnall said it like this. He says, the image of God reflected in you that so enrages hell It is this at which the demons hurl their mightiest weapons. Let me tell you what I think is the greatest deception of a believer in this room today. Is to live in a peace posture. 
in wartime. If we don't live realizing that there is a battle, we're living like there's peace. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. We're living like there's no problems and I have no temptations. And so we're not ready. So anything that may come our way, or maybe maybe God doesn't maybe Satan doesn't send anything our way, maybe he just gets us to sit down and do nothing. Omission. Laziness of the faith. But 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 I'm not stealing, killing, or destroying. Omission, commission. What sin is he challenging? And we're not ready for it because we aren't ready for the battle that's facing us. And all, all along, all along, Jesus or Paul is telling us, listen, you're going to have to be ready because the battle is real. And some of the components of victory, I only have time to go through this. I'm just going to list them out to you. There's six qualities, six components that need to make up our life. I can't even take time to go into the, the components and how they relate to the armor. So you'll just have to do your own study on that. But let me just give you six components that need to be a part of our life that we need to get up every day and put it on if we are going to be ready for the battle that we face. In fact, you can look with me at verse 14 and following. He says, Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, underscore the word truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, underscore righteousness, and having, shoes, and having shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given to the gospel of peace, underscore gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, underscore faith, which, is the, which can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, underscore salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There are six components there, the Word of God being the last one. These components need to be a part of our lives. The very first thing, he says, you need to make sure you put on truth every day. Truth in our life. I thought, what is truth? Truth is our, it's our, it's our true north. It's what we steer our life by. It's that element inside of us that, that is mysterious and that, that, you know, I don't understand a compass. Recently I went hiking with my brother who's a, a, a former Green Beret, and I'll speak of him in just a moment. And he has this compass out. And we're out in the middle of Hobbs State. And I have no clue where we're at. And he's got this compass and he's leading us. I thought, if you die, I'm dying, okay? I need, you need to teach me how to read this thing. So we're marching through there and uh, trying to figure our way around. Well, he knows how to read a compass. And there's something about a compass that, that steers off of the north. What's the truth in our life? Or are you kind of like me picking up a compass? You don't know which way to spin it or turn it or to read it. See, we need the truth in us. We need to put on truth every day when we get up. Now, what is truth? John chapter 16, verse 13 says, The Spirit of truth comes and He will guide you into all the truth. So what is this truth? He will guide us to our north. He will steer us through life. John said again, or Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does that tell me? Truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. I need to every day make sure I am living in a personal relationship with truth. That truth being Jesus. Every day I get up, I'm living completely aware that Jesus is there to guide me. He is my truth. True north. 
Second thing I need to put on is righteousness. This is simply that ability to do right, to live right, to think right. If there is a battle, and there will constantly be a battle, what I say earlier on in this series, most battles are won and lost between the ears. Most battles are won and lost between the ears. If I don't think right, if, if, if I don't live right, if I don't do... I have to think about, is my life in alignment with Him? That's righteousness. That's doing what's right, thinking what's right, believing what's right, living what's right. Is that my life? Number three, is I need to put on the gospel of peace. Augustine said it like this, the purpose of war is peace. And that's a sad reality, but many times that is. And the war that we are in right now is a war to fight for peace, ultimate peace with the Prince of Peace in heaven. Okay, but we can hopefully have peace in our hearts even in the midst of the battle. Somebody has said peace is the absence of war. Sometimes peace will just have to be peace in the midst of war. So can we live in that kind of peaceful relationship? Listen, think about somebody in your life right now that is living in turmoil. Somebody in your life right now that's living in turmoil, that does not, cannot even spell the word peace. You got them in your head? I got a question for you, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But how many of them are living in a truth centered relationship with Jesus? Righteous life. How many of them have peace in their heart? Because I would dare say that most of the people that I just described with the turmoil and the battles within, they don't know truth and they don't know righteousness. Therefore, they don't know peace. Because you can live in peace when you have that kind of relationship with God. And you're doing what's right. You're thinking what's right. You're believing what's right. You can have that kind of peace. Now, now here's another thing. He said, shoes with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know what? Literally, one of the things that God wants us to do as we get up every day is that we will take peace to the world. We will be sources, avenues, conduits of peace. Now my question again to us, are we putting on peace? Are we sharing peace? Are we giving peace? Are we bringing peace? And that would be this. When people get with me, is there greater peace or turmoil? When they're with me and I'm with them, do they look at me as a source of peace or as a source of criticism and conflict and attitude and on and on and on. Because what we need to put on every day is that, that peace that comes through a relationship with Jesus. But also he tells us to put on faith. Faith is absolutely important. He even said, he said, you will be able to put out all the burning arrows shot by the evil one if you are living in faith. Now, I, I say it like this is my definition of faith. What are you doing in your life right now that if God doesn't show up, you fail. We like to live almost this practical atheistic kind of life where we can do what we can do and we'll only do what we can do. But in reality, He wants us to live by faith. He wants us to walk by faith. In fa- without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. But what, what we'd rather do is we, we go to the point that fear begins to come in 
a little skepticism begins to come in, a little doubt begins to come in, and we stop right there. And I say, I'm going to live my faith to there, but I'm not going to go beyond that. I've got to have it all figured out before I move forward. Or at least I have more pieces of the puzzle. Listen, there may be times that you won't know where your next step will be. But you just know it's time to step. What does that mean? What does that look like for you? Oh, but I don't know. That's the fear element. Fear clips the wings of faith. You want to make Satan all-powerful in your life? Live in fear. You want to make Satan impotent in your life? Live in faith. It will extinguish the darts that he will throw at you. Number five, you've got to put on salvation. Make no bones about this. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ you cannot live without it. He even calls it the helmet of salvation. And to wake up every morning and know that God is at work. And to know that God is at work. The second reality is to know that God is pursuing a love relationship with me that's real and personal. Do I have that kind of relationship with Him? Number six is I've got to take up the Bible. I've got to put on salvation. I've got to put on faith. I've got to put on peace. I've got to put on righteousness. I've got to put on truth. I need to put on all these, but I've got to take up the Bible. Or he calls it the sword of the Spirit. We even underlined that. The sword, or excuse me, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do we realize the power of, of salvation, the helmet of salvation, of the breastplate of righteousness, of, of peace? Do we realize the value of righteousness? Do we realize that the value of faith in our life? This is what, well, look at verse 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, against the rulers, against, uh, against authorities, and against cosmic power over this present darkness, and against spiritual forces in, in heavenly places. That's what we're dealing with. Now, how do we wrestle against that without having a sword that will pierce that? You realize every time Jesus was tempted, three times, three times he quotes Scripture. I mentioned that a few weeks ago, but I want that to rest with you. I mentioned last week that there's no real victory in your life unless there's time of memorization and meditation on Scripture. You cannot replace it. There's not another book out there. You must dive into it. Thomas Guthrie said it like this, The Bible is the armory of heavenly weapons. A laboratory of infallible medicines. A mine of exhaustless wealth that is a guidebook for every road, a chart for every sea, a medicine for every malady, a bomb for every wound. Rob us of the Bible and our sky has lost its sun. That's how powerful this book is. And we will not have victory. We will not live in victory without it. British soldier Sir Philip Sidney in, in 1586, when, when Great Britain was battling the Netherlands, he goes out to battle and he notices that some of the soldiers are out in battle and they do not have their shin guards or their armor completely on as was issued to them. And so Sir Philip Sidney goes out to, to fight and he says, if they're not wearing it, I won't wear it. And he goes out and his legs are cut out from under him and he dies. And I think, you know what? Are we going to put on salvation? Are we going to put on uh, faith? Are we going to put on God's? Are we going to take up God's word? Are we going to 
take on righteousness? Are we going to live in the present reality of truth living in us? Are we going to take up faith? Are we going to take up these six elements? Because you know what? We may choose one day to not put on a piece of armor. Well, you know what you've just done? You just put a bullseye right there for Satan to get you. And again, I said it before, I'll say it again. He doesn't care how he gets you as long as he gets you. What in your life are you, is unprotected? What in your life, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the Word of God, what in your life is unprotected? Up until this point in the series, we've dealt a lot with the flesh, a lot with the battle of the world and the flesh in us. This week is kind of a transition week in the series. They kind of say, hey, stop, guys. Let's, let's not talk anymore about the battles and the hooks and the bait and all the, the professional fishermen of, of the devil right now. Let's not talk about that. Let's stop for a moment. Time out. Let's get dressed for battle. Because for the next three weeks, and I'm extending the message series out one more week because of our guest that I'll have here next week um, sharing about full frontal attack of Satan. So the next three weeks, we're going to deal with demonization as a full frontal attack. And all I can tell you is men and women, boys and girls, this is real. Make sure you're fully dressed. Make sure you're ready for war. Make sure you're fit for war. But the third element that he gives us in this passage is make sure there's spiritual communication going on. Make sure there's spiritual communication it's interesting how Paul ends this entire dialogue, and he says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, all prayer and supplication. Notice how many times he says prayer. You can underscore them if you want. Supplication is another word synonymous for prayer. So praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Notice the absolute call to prayer. Notice what I said in the beginning of my message, that my prayer life had grown weak and apathetic. If we're going to live in victory, we must be spiritually fit. Just like you would want to be physically fit if you're going to go the distance of a marathon. We're running a marathon called life. You've got to be spiritually fit. You've got to be spiritually ready. To go out, and you're going to do that when you live in truth, with truth, with truth. in When you live in righteousness, shaping your thoughts, your life, your attitudes, and everything. When you live with all those six components every day in your life, you are ready for battle. But I'll say there's one other thing that you cannot go into this war with, and that's without communication. Spiritual communication. I told you about my younger brother a few minutes ago. And how he was a Green Beret in the, in the uh, no, no, excuse me, not a Green Beret. He was a reconnaissance in the Marines when he first went in uh, out of high school. He came out of high school and, and did that for a number of years and was in Desert Storm. And then he got out of uh, the, the Marines and then he went to college and then he went back into the Army. And when he went back into the Army, anyway, he just recently retired as a, as a major uh, in the Army. He spent like three tours in, uh, in Iraq. And as he has been there, the, the second time when he re-enlisted, he became a part of a signal corps. I didn't know what a signal corps was. I thought it was much more romantic to say you're a part of reconnaissance or Green Beret or something like that. He said, no, no, no. you got to understand, we're some of the first ones in. 
after the first round of soldiers go in, we're right behind them. Because what we're doing is we're setting up lines of communication right behind them. So that as they are in battle, they can call for backup. As they're in war, hand-to-hand combat in front of us, we're able to communicate for strikes, air strikes. And so without the signal corps, there's no communication. And you are left out there in the middle of a battlefield all alone. Just like you would not want to go to war without your ammo and your gun and your protection, you don't want to go to war without solid communication. And that's why Paul ends this entire talk on calling us to fervent, fervent prayer. I like the way John Piper said it. He said, prayer is the primary, primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. Boy, have we cheapened prayer when we live with it for our own comforts. 1 Corinthians 16.9 says, For a wide door of effective work has opened to me. Paul saying this. A wide door of effective work is open to me. And there are many adversaries. Let me tell you this, and I'm, and I'm really through. And that is this. Your life as you live for God, as you live for Christ, and you get up every morning and you consciously take on truth and you consciously take on righteousness and you consciously put on faith and you constantly... You put on peace and you consciously put on all these elements, all these components. You consciously do that. Let me tell you this. You may have beautiful, you may have opportunistic opportunities just abounding in your life. God may give them to you, but you know what? They may be full of adversaries and not advocates. I'm not saying that as we walk with God it's going to be easy. I'll tell you right now, it's going to be difficult and tough and challenging, and it's going to call us out. And so the briefing today is not just about the enemy. The briefing is to look at the soldiers. How are our troops doing? How are we doing in this battle? So the question for all of us today is, how are you doing? Are you been sucked in? Are you winning or are you losing? My challenge to you today is to commit to a communication with God Every day, every moment of your day, where you just lay out before God, God, put on these components. Make me strong. Make me ready for the battle in front of me today. During our time now, band, if you'll come back up. During our time now, you may want to spend some time in prayer reestablishing communication with God. That may mean you need to come spend some time here at the front. You may need to turn around right where you are and sit back down where you are. But let this be a time where you worship God, experience God, but you commune with God about the battle that you're dealing with. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for these moments. May the battle we talk about, the war that rages, be more than just an academic acknowledgement. But may we truly, Lord, Live victoriously. May we live strong 
and live in the strength of your might. How do, how do we, Lord, make us ready. Make us fit. Give us the line of communication. And help us to live victoriously in this world of conflict. Lord, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.